Amen. Um, we're starting a new series called Core Values today, um, and our first installment will be Christ-centeredness. Somebody say Christ-centeredness. Christ-centeredness. Oh, you can do better than that. Say Christ-centeredness. Christ-centeredness. One more time for the ghost. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your mighty power in Christ, where you reveal yourself most truly and most intimately. God, I pray today for your ferocious power to go through here and change us, transform us, make us uncomfortable, uh, yet help us to be uh, in our uncomfort most secure because of you. Um, The discomfort that you bring to our lives through centering us in Jesus Christ is you making us, uh, helping us to see our purpose being more closely founded in you. So a life shaken up by God is a life that's being stabilized by him. And so, God, in the mighty name of Christ, I pray that you would, you would help us to attack those uncharted regions of our soul where we say, Christ not be Lord. May there be no chart in our soul where there is not the flag of the blood, uh, where we have set, us, set you aside as Lord in our hearts and take over and challenge us and shake up the world, God, in our lives so that we can look more like Jesus Christ and find ourselves in him, Lord God. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust and help us not to just be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, but help us to be doers of the word of God by faith. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, Today um, is a world where things can get blurred a little bit. Um, There there was a time when people in Christianity separated the world into two categories, sacred and secular. (laughs) Um, Sacred meaning this is where God is active, secular meaning where God isn't active. In, 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 other, in other words, when, when, when you look at the world, the, 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 the world is broken up into dichotomies of where God is holy and where God's holiness is not revealed. Um, and so what that created was monsters. Somebody say monsters. It created monsters. I remember when I first became a believer, it was the people around me culturally who was discipling me and who I was in relationship with. I had great disciple makers. However, there were people that, are, that were in the Christian faith that believed that there was Christian spheres and non-Christian spheres. In other words, uh, uh, Pastor Mason, you can't listen to Jodeci no more. Um, you can't listen to New Edition anymore. You can't listen to Big Daddy Kane anymore, Public Enemy, uh, a Tribe Called Quest. See, y'all don't know nothing about that. Um, leaders of the new school. You can't listen to house music anymore. You can't listen to bass music anymore. Um, You can't even listen to jazz music because even though it doesn't have words, the the devil is the prince and power of air. And so he's, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, and so so he's 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 the God over the airwaves. So TV is bad and telephones is bad and just everything is bad. And, 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 and there was this sense in which in order to be holy, you had to shrink back from being in the world. And, 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 how, how, however, one, one, one Christian classic says there is no part of God's creation where Jesus Christ doesn't yell, I am Lord. Right, Everything yeah. in our life demands lordship. 
um, I, I, I'm just going to let you know when I'm going to slow dance with my wife, I'm not playing the reason why we sing. Um, you know, I, 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 I am going to find redeemable qualities in Marvin Gaye and Al Green. I'm going to say while they're singing sexual healing that he's Lord over my sexual healing. Um, um, in, 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 other, in other words, in other words, Christ's Lordship should be put in its proper place when everything turns towards him. In, 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 other, in other words, we as believers cannot run away from the world. We run away from worldliness, yes. but not the world. Yes. And, and, and what has happened to the church is we have these false dichotomies. That's why I like the millennial generation a whole lot, because they don't have those false dichotomies. It's a very artsy and uh, entrepreneurial generation that wants to go out into every sector of the world and do work. But what we need to do with them is not put them down and saying these young people don't want to do anything. No, what we do is we influence them with the gospel of peace so that as they go into every sector of art and every sector of education and engineering and uh, philosophy and whatever area they're going into, they carry the flag of the bloodstained banner of Christ's lordship where he yells Lord wherever he goes. And we, there, there, there are unredeemable aspects of creation where that don't mean you say, I'm going to be a stripper for Jesus. That's not going to work. Um, that, that, that's just not going. That's not redeemable. We're talking about redeemable. Right? And I'm saying that because you have to explain everything to everybody. Um, but, but, but it's very, very important that we don't create false dichotomies. And that brings us to the reality of our preeminent core value, and that's Christocentrism or Christ-centeredness. Somebody say Christ-centeredness. Christ-centeredness Christ is our foremost small core value because of its role to permeate every aspect of where we are as a church and where we are as individuals, where we are as families, where we are as singles, where we are as students, where we are as children, where we are as cousins, where we are as aunts, where we are as uncles, and for those few in here, where we are as grandparents. Um, we, we, we have to have a, a recognition that Christ must be all and in all of everything. There is no off switch to Christ being center in your life. You can't have secret compartments where he doesn't saturate. David said it's the best in Psalm 51. He says, I, he says, you desire truth in my inward parts. In other words, there is no part of your life that shouldn't be soaked and saturated with the glory and beauty of who Christ is as the definer and the refiner of who you are in God. And so we come to a text that I believe is the, uh, the, the most powerful pericope to promote the proclamation of the Lord. It is one of the greatest passages in the Bible where we see the grandiose nature of the messianic man who is God and man uh, where we are going to meander just for a few minutes. I'm seeing here in so many shapes and so many facets how Christ jumps off the pages of this. There should be a ferocious uh, ex exaltation of worship towards Christ. As you hear in this passage, the Colossian church, who the Bible says, Paul says in this chapter one, he says, you have been bearing fruit ever since the gospel came to you. 
I, I like that right there because it, it, him talking about them bearing fruit since the gospel came to them, meaning that when the gospel came and changed their life and they believed in Christ's finished work on the cross, they have been on an ever-moving trajectory to be conformed to the image of Christ. That means that there are no pit stops in our spiritual growth. There is only a commitment to continue to move in it. And where he roots their spiritual growth in the bearing of the fruit that they've had since salvation is in Christ. Somebody say in Christ. And so in reality, this brings us to our first and only point for today about Christ-centeredness or uh, Christocentrism. Showing off Christ's glory is rooted in, the cent- in his central place in all things. Showing off Christ's glory is rooted in his central place in all things. Paul starts off this passage in this section talking about, he says, in, uh, he, said, he is the image of the invisible God. The Colossians became Christians, and there was a lot of competing factors that made them want to give other things in their life primary place versus Christ primary place. In other words, when you come, become a Christian, sometimes it can seem like life was worse off after you become a Christian than before you became a Christian. But you didn't know how messed up the world was until you became a Christian Therefore, something became wrong with the world, and because the world doesn't like him, it's not going to like you. But as long as you don't know Jesus, you're a buddy with the world, and that means life isn't going to feel as hard as it actually really is. But when you become a believer, hell breaks loose because now the enemy's army has pointed its missiles in your direction. Uh, um, And so the Colossians were experiencing... um, all-out attack of the enemy on their way of thinking, on their practical living, because now Christ was Lord in their life. And because of that, their discouragement about their belief and all of these different things that they were wrestling through, Paul wrote this letter to help them to recognize the primary place of the cosmic Christ. In other words, this huge, massive Christ, not, 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 this, not this sucker that we see on paintings in churches, um, not to do with the part in the middle of his hair and, it, and it's wavy and coming down the sides of your head and him having on a linen outfit with no pimples and hands that have no calluses. And, and uh, even though he was a carpenter, um, Jesus probably had a little bit, uh, he was a blue-collared worker. And, I don't, and if you're in Philly, I know you've seen a lot of blue-collared workers and the blue-collared workers that I see don't look like those paintings. In other words, what can happen is, is the church can have a small painting of who Jesus Christ is, and then what begins to happen is you reduce him to what is painted versus who God has exalted. And, 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 so, and, so, and so he says, he is the image. I like that. Definitive article there lets us know that he is the only image. In other words, we are created in his image, Genesis chapter 1, 25 through 27, but he is the image. That, that, that's a big difference. There's a big difference between being created in the image and he is the image. It is is a present tense verb that lets you know that he's always been the image of God. Help me today, God. The image means that there should be no other image. Now, this is idolatrous language because God says you shall make no other gods before me and you shouldn't create any images. Um, But God is the only one that can create an image of himself 
that we can worship and that he authorizes because we're not just worshiping his body, we're worshiping what's inside of him. And what's inside of God through Jesus Christ is the fullness of the triune deity. The Bible says was, help me today, God, was pleased to dwell. You missed your shouting moment right there because he is the image, not a image. That, 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 means, that means that he's not a reflector of the image of God. He is the image of God. He's not a mirror. He's the caster of the image that you see in the mirror. See, 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 that's what we need to recognize when we think of the massivity of who Jesus Christ is. When we look at this reality, and you, you, need, you need to have a big Jesus in your mind. You, you, need, you need to see a big Jesus. We don't need the punk Jesus. You know what I'm saying? The skipping and tickling Peter and playing around. Like, this is not, this is not the Jesus we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, the, you know, the one laying back in the field and the lilies are around him and he got a piece of grass in his mouth um, looking like a hippie with a leather handbag on the side of him. That's not the Jesus we're talking about. We're talking here about the rule of all creation. We're talking about the one that, that sits high but looks low. We're talking about the big, the, the one who is the restorer of all things. And, 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 so, and so when we talk about the image, that means he sets the tone, help me today, God, for what God is like for our view of him. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it says in, in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh, and, 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 and oh dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And he said, in verse 18, it says, and no one has seen God at any time except for the only begotten God that's in the bosom of the Father. So what is he talking about there? In other words, Christ has sat in the presence of himself for eternity, and he's unique because he takes on a body even though he already existed. So therefore, it says, no one has seen God, but the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father explains him. That means that Jesus came to earth to talk to us about what he was in eternity already. Y'all not going to talk back to me today. It's okay. In other words, he didn't learn from the Father. He chilled with the Father, and he is equal in nature with the Father. Therefore, when he came into incarnation, he was only explaining who he is, not who he was, who he is in his being, because when he became a human, he took on an additional nature. He didn't stop his divine nature. He just tucked his divine nature in some way inside his body in a way that I can't understand, yet still being eternally God, yet being a real human. I mean, he was in eternal hypostasis, the Bible calls it. He's, he's the hypostatic union, meaning he's a hundred. That's a hundred. You got to say a hundred. You can't say a hundred. No, you got to say a hundred. He's a hundred percent God, a hundred percent man, united in one person, two natures not mixing, united forever. I swear I'm going to break this thing. Y'all better get me a new one, but I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you know that this is the big God who ascended into heaven on a cloud. He surfed on a cloud back to heaven, and the the, the disciples were so rocked, they just were standing there looking, and God had to send a messenger to stop them from being rocked at Christ. I wouldn't wonder what it was like when he got into the unapproachable life. I don't know if you you remember. I don't know if you remember any of y'all watched the Fantastic Four. And um, you remember when the silver surfer was going up into Galactus and and surfing up in that thing? See, Jesus didn't have to do that. He just went on in to the presence of God. You know what I'm saying? And then then, then, then he he shrugged off his shoulders and pulled up his linen ephod and sat down with his tattoo showing, chilling next to the Father. They high-fived and looked over all creation. 
because he took all of his blood and emptied it before God the Father. That's, that's the God I'm talking about. And he sits and he lives to give intercession for you. He prays for you. Him and God the Father telepathically link and talk about you, praying for each and every one of us at the same time. <laughs> that's, that's a huge God. Right, right, right. And so we have to pray. We have to have sections of prayer. Jesus don't need that. He just talks to God the Father about all of us in his omnipotence and all his omnipresence, right? And so he's the image. The Bible says he's the firstborn. I like that. Now, the J-dubs like to have some fun with this because they say, see, he was born. But the Bible says, for unto us a child is born, but the son was given. Help me. See, the child was born humanity, the son was given deity. Y'all missed that. See, you missed your sh- See, if you didn't know what I just said to you, you'd have ran down the street and came back and high-fived your cousin. Because under us, the child is born, but the son was given. So being the firstborn, though, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with his incarnation. It has to do with his resurrection. And what it means is, is when Jesus Christ came up, he became the first of a crop of a new group of people that he would redeem through his death and resurrection. So when, 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 let me give you an answer. When a winery is growing grapes, the first thing they do is they look at their first crops. And what they do is they grab a grape off of it and they chew on the grape so that they can see the quality of what is going to be the taste of what they experience. In other words, the first flavor lets you know what the whole crop is going to be like. Y'all, y'all missed that. The first flavor is going to let you know what the whole crop is going to be like. And so when they make the wine, they, the, 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 the wine engineer, he jingalings it around a little bit, and he looks at it and coats the glass a little bit, then he smells it. And he sips the notes off, and then he goes, cacao a little bit, and he swishes it around in his mouth. And then he said, this is going to be a good season. And based on his experience of drinking that first fruit, it lets him know how all the other bottles are going to come out. Somebody ought to hear me today is that when God the Father, if he could just taste Christ, he tastes notes of his grace and notes of his mercy and notes of his love and notes of his peace because that was what was going to define the crop of those of us who would know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's the firstborn among many who would come to him. It points to the fact that he's preeminent over everything, though, that he's over everything. Not some things, he's over every single thing and should be glorified over the new humanity. He's the executive officer of eternity. You know, the president is the so-called most powerful man in the known world, and he has executive powers. He has executive powers where he can pardon people uh, and, and, and grant amnesty to people. He can he can call for war. He can, it's, it's several things that he can do without Senate con- or congressional approval. Uh, but he's called the most powerful man. In other words, he, it, he has limitations on his authority because he has to have checks and balances in place because a man can wig out. But see, God the Father, when Jesus got up from the grave, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Meaning that God gave Jesus Christ executive authority to his role that he had prior to his death and resurrection. And he handed all of his executive rights of authority while remaining God the Father over, over all creation as king of everything. And therefore, trust him to judge, 
trust him to say, trust him to do everything that he's called him to do without accountability because he's a righteous judge, not a judge that needs accountability. Y'all help me today, but I'm going to cry if y'all don't. But it, it, it's, it's powerful to me that Jesus is such a powerful master of creation that he doesn't need accountability because his righteousness holds him accountable to what he's supposed to be and what he's supposed to do. And so his executive authority is powerful. One day, you know, he's going to hand that executive authority back over to the Father and all will be all in all in relation to the living God. It says, and, and he is firstborn of all creation. I like that. It means to be subordinate. It means that everything in creation is under him. Everything. That means that that includes us. Jesus Christ in your life isn't a consultant. A consultant is somebody you hire to give you advice on what you should do. A Lord is someone who tells you what you're going to do. <laughs> and so him being Lord of all creation, he's not consulting. You know, God, what should I do? God, God commands. He doesn't advise. And, and, so, and so him being the, the, the one over all creation, he gets to rule your life and to push it in the direction that he wants it to go into. Uh, in, in other words, you can't direct your life. He must uh, have you under his authority, submitting to him as he moves your life. I, 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 before I got on a, a plane the other day, it, it was a small plane, and I didn't know how I was feeling about that, getting on this small plane. And the guy that was flying the plane, I mean, the people, you know how they tell you when, you, when you're flying, they give you instructions. And I don't know if I liked his instructions, because he didn't just say, buckle your seatbelt and enjoy yourself and turn off all your electronics. You know, those are things I can handle. Um, but we was coming out of Colorado, and he said, we're coming out of the mountains. Me and my wife looked at each other. We was like, okay. He says, and this is going to be a little bit different of a travel experience as we try to get to cruising altitude. And me and my wife were like, now, what, what kind of teachings is this dude up on? You know, we looking all around and carrying on, Doc. All the other people, they experienced this before. They smiling and carrying on. So I don't know if I, it was a little airport, so they was talking different. And so um, they said, well, the wind comes in from the west coast, and it shoots up on this side of the mountain of the Rockies, and it shoots back down and shoots back up. And as the wind is still coming this way, all of these winds meet, which create turbulence. I was like, oh, come on, bruh. I'm like, see, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a pretty sturdy dude. You know what I'm saying? But when I can look out the window, I'm in a small air. I just, I like the big aircrafts. I just feel a little more secure in those. And, and this one was real small. And, and that meant you felt things differently. But the guy, the guy said, but, but I want you to understand that as we go up, trust that even in the midst of the turbulence, you're being pushed up by the wind to get to cruising altitude. You can't work against the wind you have to work with the wind. If you work against the wind, then we're going to go down. But if you work with the wind, all you got to do is ride it on up. It's going to be some shaking. It's going to be some bumps. But, it, but, but the wind here is lowered. And if, you, if we didn't submit to the lordship of the wind, we would have crashed. And, and that's what your life is like. You better, you better recognize that there's going to be some turbulence in your life. 
there's going to be some rough spots in your life. But if you, if, if you just wait on God and let him get up under you, he'll get you to cruising altitude. Uh, but you got to be under his authority. And, 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 but many of us, the reason why we keep crashing is because we want to be the authority. We want to be the Lord. But, but and you're mad at God thinking he crashed you. Yes, he crashed you because he's going to crash you as long as you don't submit to his authority. So he's Lord over all creation. And you, you got to submit to that reality. And, and I, I like the fact of verse, verse 16. Verse 16 is very, very powerful. It says, something that is very, very helpful for us spiritually. It says, for by him all things were created. I like this. So whenever God the Father says do something, Jesus accomplishes it. That's his role in the Godhead. I mean, that's his role. His role is God says do it. Christ, in his submission to the Father's authority, does what the Father says. So when God spoke into nothing and said, whoa, it is broke. Let there be light. Let me have one of those. When he said, uh, so you got to be prepared for everything, man. Um, let there be light. And when he says, let there be light, guess what happened when he said, let there be light? Hallelujah. Um, when he said, let there be light, Jesus Christ went into darkness and pulled light into existence. Oh, you should have ran on that. Um, in other words, light didn't exist, but the Lagos made it happen. Um, there was no land, and he says, let there be land. The Lagos went and accomplished there being land. Every time the Father commands that something be done, it has to obey him because the Lagos is the applied acquisition of what the Father says to get done. So when it was time for salvation, he says, let them be born again. And what he does is he goes into your old nasty, trifling, funky soul and pulls the old soul out of it and blows the new breath of life in it. Why? Because the father tells and the son does. That's the way it works. That's, that's, just, that's just the way it works. It, it, it works in concert with who God is in relation to this reality. So all things were created by him. <coughs> he just wasn't the way things were created. He created. <laughs> that's, that's different. That means he knows the intimate details of everything that he's created. Now, check this out. Keep, let's, let's keep going. He says, <clears throat> in heaven and in earth. That means he created heaven where the Father dwells in unapproachable light. There are three heavens. He created all of those. He created earth. But then he created all visible things and invisible things. That means the things that fight against you in the spirit world and fight for you, he created them. Angels and demons, the spiritual warfare you go through, he created the things that do that, even though he didn't originally create them to be fools. All right. He said, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, I like this, because there's no authority that's been set up that hasn't been set up by Jesus Christ. Oh, God, help us today. In other, words, in other words, when you look in Romans 13, when you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, um, and when you look at 1, Peter, 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says in Romans 13, there is no authority that is set up that's not set up by God. So therefore, God rules in the setting up of authorities, yet it's the authority that he puts in place's choice whether or not they're going to follow his authority or not, and how they exercise their authority. But at the end of the day, he's the creator of the role. That's why we respect authority, because God set it up. I don't know who that was for, but that was for free. 
Amen. He said, and then, then look, at, look at it. He says, and all things were created through him and for him. I, 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 like, I like that. So when we look at this reality of all things created through him and for him, meaning that he created everything with a purpose. Everything, he, God recycles everything. There is nothing that God, God, God uses the recycling bin of planet earth to be his redemptive playground for his glory. God doesn't waste a moment. He doesn't waste a season. He doesn't waste a broken heart. He doesn't waste a bad experience. He doesn't waste a frustration. He doesn't waste a season. He doesn't waste a job. Even your nose were created for him. The thing that made you mad was created for him. Not just the yeses, but the noes. Every single thing in creation, your pit stop in brokenness was created by him. Now, why am I telling you this? Because many of us think that we're going to, especially young folk, we tend to think that you're going to get to a point in life where your purpose begins. But your purpose began when you were conceived. Not when you were born again. Because you wouldn't have a testimony of your life in the purpose in your Christianity if you weren't born fallen. Help me today, God. In other words, everything, not just your new birth date, but your first birth date is a part of all God is doing to work everything out according to the counsel of his own will. That means that everything in your life, everything, every, even the mistake you made, God recycles it. Even the bad relationship you went through, he recycles it. Even the messed up parenting system that you grew up under, he recycles. If you were an orphan, he recycles it. If you got, baby, if you, if you got a baby out of wedlock, he recycles it. If you went through a divorce, he recycles it. If you went through adultery, he recycles it. If you're wrestling as a single with pornography, he recycles it. If you, had, if you didn't finish school, he'll recycle it. I serve a God who will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. He got you. He'll recycle everything. Why go through hell and just live in hell and you're not going to hell? God wants to use the bad experiences that you were brought up in, the bad experiences of being bullied, the bad experiences of being left out, the bad experiences of being lost, the bad experiences of being confused. Every last thing that is in creation, God uses for his glory. And you will not, hear me today, you will not be healed until you realize that. God loves an environment of mess. Because the way he recycles stuff, he never uses nice looking things. I don't think Samson was buff. I just don't. If I could, this is my theory. It ain't in the Bible. It's a theory. So I'm telling you it's not in the Bible. But based on how God does stuff, he probably wouldn't muscle up a dude and give him power. Dude probably was a frail little J.J. looking dude. You know what I'm saying? J.J. Evans, dynamite looking dude. You know what I'm saying? No muscles because 
people would be able to blame his strength on his muscles. But see, when God does something, he wants you to blame it on him only. That's why he crushes your life and pushes your life down to where it is so that all people can say is, to him be glory, to him be honor. See, see the single, the single person that's lonely today. Don't think of your loneliness as idle time. Don't so look to get married that you think your purpose starts when God brings a human into your life. If you're in school and you're trying to finish and you've been in there seven years, graduate. But he uses it all. He uses it all to everything. Don't you, have, don't you look at anything in your life as wasted. Nothing. Nothing in your life is wasted. That's why it says all things were made for him. And then he says, and I like this. He says, he, he, said, he is before all things. I got to get out your way. He is before all things. But it says, and in him all things hold together. <laughs> that is the best statement in the Bible. All things. Somebody say all things. All things. all things hold together. On the deepest level of which everything is held together, Jesus Christ holds every single thing together. To the point to when he was on the cross, creation shook. Now, it did come apart. Because even while he was in his humanity, he was still holding everything together. I don't understand it. But, 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 but when his body got bruised and he said, into thy hands I commit my spirit, God was like, I just want to put a little bit of my swag out there to let y'all know that y'all just killed my boy. And I'm going to let you know how crea- creation shook a little bit for a while. Wow. Stuff started shaking just to let you know. Stuff could come apart if he fully died. See, 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 his body died, but his divinity didn't die. If his divinity died, we would have a real Big Bang Theory coming to existence. But his body just died. And God said, I'm going to just let y'all know a little something, something. And then an earthquake happened that didn't happen like that before. And the centurion drops his, his sword and everything, takes off his little hand and says, surely this is the son of God. <laughs> but I'm so glad that he holds all things together. Because if he didn't hold all things together, everything in our lives would come apart. I mean, if he didn't hold atoms together, there'd be neutrons and protons and electrons going all over the place. I mean, he didn't hold water together. The H2O would come apart and we would have no water. If he took away the composition of the air, we wouldn't be able to breathe. He'd take out the nitrogen and he'd take out the oxygen. And he'd take out the argon and he'd take out the carbon dioxide and the neon and the helium and the xenox and, 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 the, and the krypton. But, but, but what, what, what if he let the sun just come apart? Then the hydrogen and the helium and the oxygen and the, and the carbon and the nitrogen and the silicon and the magnesium 
and the neon and the iron would come apart. What if the moon came apart, the crust would come apart, the mantle would come apart, and the core would come apart? Uh, I, I'm so glad that, that, that if your marriage came apart, your rose would be all out of, out of order. Your, 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 you wouldn't have anything in distinction to the glory of the living God. But I'm so glad that God holds all things together on the molecular level. There is some stuff that God is holding together that you want it not to be held together. And he holds it together because he wants his glory more than your happiness. It should be out where people think that God holds all things together. And I love the fact that he holds all things together in such a, a, a powerful and unbelievable way. And he holds us together so much so that he wants everything in his creation to reflect the fact that he holds it together so it wouldn't come apart. And that's why I'm glad we have a massive Christ. We have a, a powerful Christ that's a cosmic Christ. I, 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 I declare you can go through the alphabet in every single language and you could come up with a line of verbiage to reflect who he is. And maybe we can go through uh, the alphabet of our language from A to Z and see if there's some things that we can find to describe who he is. He's the impeccable Adam. He's the blessed and only potentate. He's the chief shepherd. He's the day spring. He's the Emmanuel. He's the first begotten of the dead. He's the God made flesh. He's the heir to all things. He's the I am. He's the just one. He's the king of the, all the earth. He's the living water. He's the bright morning star. He's the new covenant. He's the outstanding among the thousands. He's your propitiation. He's our quality and our quality. He's the resurrection and the life. He's our scepter. He's the true vine. He's the unspeakable gift. He's the very Christ. He's wonderful. He's the x-ray of your soul. He's Yahweh and he's Zion's king. I don't know about you. But if I can put it like the old church, he's my way maker. He's my bridge over troubled water. He's my doctor in a sick room. He's my lawyer in a court case. He's my architect for my housing project. He is my landscaper of my block. He is the Lord and the mayor of our city. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He's so high, but he looks low. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a heart fixer. He's a mind regulator. He's a mess remover. He's a garbage man. He deals with your mess. He's a plumber. He'll deal with you when you stopped up. <laughs> Help me today. He's a, he's a masseuse. He massages you to give you comfort. Help me today. He's a mechanic. He can fix the worst mechanical issues that your soul could ever have. Help me today, God. God. You and I must recognize that the great and mighty God, there is nothing in your life with that type of resume. Who has a resume 
so expansive that he can deal with every single thing in your life. He's holding you together today. You should have fell apart a long time ago. Some of you, if you just think just a little bit through what you've been through, just a little bit of what you've been through, there are other people that did not make it. But you still here. Even in the midst of your decision not to walk with him, he held your relationship with him together. So why are we, 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 why do we want to be Christocentric, tristic, or Christ-centered? Why? Because he deserves it. And so my prayer today is that we would remember him and that we would never think that any moment in our life is wasted. Why? Because he's Lord.